Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. In this episode, your esteemed host will guide you through part two of my two-part examination of the frontside category. In this episode, we review a dozen more skis in this expansive genre. Most of these are a tad less aggressive than the super-powerful models covered in Part 1, including a handful that perform well at slower speeds and less forceful guidance. Before diving into the details, permit me to remind you that the skis presented here are all equally good or they wouldn't be on this list of recommended models. We have to present them in sequence because they can't be presented all at once. Pay attention to the behavioral nuances of each model to determine if its personality is a match for yours. Without further ado, let's hear about our first selection, the Dinastar Speed Zone 4x4 82 Pro. The American skier's ongoing infatuation with fat skis has so distorted our collective notion of what an all-terrain ski should look like that we no longer remember the days when the best skier's everyday ride was a race ski or something similar. As recently as the late 1990s, a ski as wide as Dinastar's Speed Zone 4x4 82 Pro would have been regarded as a powder-only behemoth. Dinastar remembers that epoch because it helped redefine the all-terrain ski when it launched the original 4x4 in 1998. With a less exaggerated side cut than the shape skis of the era, along with a wider waist, the first 4x4 was immediately recognized as a breakthrough ski in an all-mountain category that had previously been stocked with race ski spin-offs. I remember taking my first runs on them at a solitude trade fair where I took them out first thing and never brought them back. <laughs> my belated apologies. The all-new 4x4 is attached to the Speed Zone family, but it's actually a separate breed. In keeping with the overall trend to lighter skis, the 4x4 82 Pro uses a multi-material core, with laminated beach providing the primary structure and a band of polyurethane between the wood and the outer sidewall. The PU adds a dampening element as well as being lighter than the wood it replaces. Another weight reduction comes from paring away material in the shovel to create a 3D profile that reduces weight. To preserve stability on edge, a section of tetanol anchors the midsection. For a ski with race lineage, the 4x4 82 Pro is oddly more in its element off-trail than on, as it transitions from a carve to a scrub turn without a hitch. Peter Glenn's Steve Parnell was impressed by its versatility as he navigated through a melee of spring conditions at Squaw Valley. Quote, Went from groom to crust to powder today. This one will make your day. Made it all easy. Close quotes. The Speed Zone 4x4 82 Pro is a system ski, meaning it comes with its own look SPX 12 binding. A well-balanced ski with nearly equal scores for all performance criteria, it should have a broad appeal across all ages and abilities. For its easygoing disposition, we awarded this ski a Silver Skier selection. Our next ski is the K2 Disruption 78 Ti. As befits the brand that made Rocker an enduring entry in the ski design lexicon, K2 hasn't paid much attention to the ski market below an 80mm waist width, where cambered baselines still dwell, since the brand lost interest in racing around the turn of the millennium. For 2021, K2 has error-corrected with a vengeance by launching the 10-model disruption series of carving skis. As is often the case in the world ski market, K2's new carving collection straddles the technical-slash-frontside divide, with the vector models landing on the skinny side, in K2's case this means 72 to 74 millimeter waists, and the more versatile, less demanding, and often less expensive models populating the slightly wider frontside domain. 
In the Disruption series, the 78 tie isn't a watered-down carver, just a wider one, as it borrows the same construction and almost fully cambered baseline of the flagship Disruption MTI. Both the power and forgiveness inherent in the Disruption 78 Ti derive from the same source, a single band of tetanol that runs nearly the entire length of the ski in a uniform width that matches the waist dimension. This creates an edge that holds firmly yet softly, as if its aluminum alloy guts were wrapped in velvet. On soft groomers, it feels like the edge is cushioned yet never loses contact, thanks in large part to a baseline that has zero tail elevation and only a smidgen of early rise at the tip. Adding to this K2's calm on edge is an elevated yet still integrated sidewall section underfoot called power wall. The added elevation, rigidity, and shock absorption provided by power wall makes the midsection unshakable even on bulletproof boilerplate. Edge connection at the top of the turn is assured by a low-profile tip that is ready to engage the moment it's given the turn signal. The Disruption 78 Ti belongs to a subset of front side models that use a relatively narrow shovel, in this case a 123 millimeters, that helps to keep it close to the fall line where its grip is most tenacious. Reinforcing this behavior is a narrow tail that will gently release the end of a medium radius turn, much like the Disruption MTI, which shouldn't surprise as the two models have nearly the same side cut radius. While the Disruption 78 Ti is a departure from K2's twin obsessions with free ride and freestyle designs, it's pure K2 in its emphasis on ease of use. You don't have to have perfect timing or Navy SEAL fitness. Just point, tip, repeat, and look ma, you're carving. Okay, it's not quite that simple, but damn near. Anyone buying his, her first pair of skis who anticipates staying on groomers for the foreseeable future will discover that the Disruption 78 Ti encourages proper edging skills without requiring them. For the way it simplifies a medium radius turn with only a modicum of pressure, we award the Disruption 78 Ti a silver skier selection. Next in our hit parade is the Atomic Redster X9WB, which stands for Wide Body, which in the Redster world, a ski that is only 75 millimeters underfoot, qualifies as. Atomic's entries in the frontside genre come from the two different categories that abut it. The new Vantage 79 tie and 82 tie import their ProLite chassis from the wider world of all mountain models, while the latest Redster, the X9WB, is a direct descendant of the Redster X9, a tight radius technical ski. Like brothers that don't get along, they're both from the same family, but they could not be more different. The WB in this Redster's name stands for wide body, but by today's standards, its 75mm waist looks painfully corseted. Its side cut radius is only 13.5 meters and a 168 centimeter, roughly the dimensions of a World Cup slalom. If the pilot tilts it to a high edge angle, it will tuck into a short radius turn with the eagerness of a cutting horse cornering a calf. Note that it earns its 9.0 score for short radius turns, one of the best scores in the category for this bellwether feature. As long as it isn't subjected to FIS-level speeds, its fully cambered baseline stays plastered to the snow. If the pilot gives it a little poke in the tail just for grins, it responds with a jolt of energy that carries you weightlessly into the next turn. Well, 
Weightlessly may be a stretch. The Redster X9WB is hauling around a lot of tetanol in its pudgy frame, enough to keep its SL shape from getting too skittish at GS speeds. Surprisingly easy to ski, the X9WB feels geared down to accommodate a skilled skier who may no longer be in tip-top race condition. As is the case with any elite carver, it doesn't hurt to be an expert, but the sort of on-your-toes attentiveness required by the Redster S9 isn't a prerequisite. I didn't know Atomic made a Redster in a recreational ski, muses Theron Lee, as if wondering how Atomic could package the nuclear power of the Redster race skis he knows into something that wouldn't punish the weekend warrior. Quote, great at slower speeds. Its width makes the ski easy to maneuver at lower edge angles without hurting its carving accuracy at higher angles. T. Lee footnotes that he would have liked a longer length, but what he really would have liked was the Redster S9. If you still have the chops, there's still nothing quite like the real deal. Our next ski, the Vocal Deacon 76, skis a lot like a classic cruiser. What a proud papa the Vocal Deacon 76 must be. When it slipped quietly into Vocal's line two years ago to replace the creaky code collection, all the ballyhoo was rightfully concentrated on the M5 mantra, There was no hint at the time of the little deacons in utero in R&D gearing up to replace the redoubtable RTM-84 and RTM-81 veteran frontside carvers that had come to the end of their dual-track lines. The new kids turned out to be real firecrackers, fulfilling every father's dream of outperforming his expectations. But as often seems to be the case with kids, they don't want to do things dad's way. Where the Deacon 76 is quiet and unhurried, the Deacon 84 and 80 are bundles of energy. The Deacon 76 likes to luxuriate in a long turn that never loses snow contact. The kinder prefer a catch-and-release approach that involves pouncing across the fall line. The junior Deacons exude the tireless will to play of a Jack Russell Terrier, while the Deacon 76 prides itself on energy conservation. If the Deacon 76 skis like a classic gentleman's cruiser, it's because it's built like one. Vocal has always known how to coddle aging cruisers, a tradition the Deacon 76 devoutly upholds. In addition to the customary wood core encased in two sheets of tetanol, the Deacon 76 is divinely possessed with 3D glass and UVO 3D, a shock-dampening device in the shovel that dynamically absorbs disruptive vibrations on both the lateral and longitudinal axes. To keep this rich amalgam bendable, the bottom layer of 3D glass is only 2D underfoot, so the camber-creating fiberglass is more pliable. Any ski this well-built can travel anywhere you care to, but its preference for groomers is signaled by its relatively tall marker binding that comes with it. The added leverage it provides on prepared slopes doesn't play as well off-piste, but if you're cruising groomers, the extra stand height works in your favor, magnifying the skier's force. For keeping alive the free-flowing spirit of the gentleman's cruiser, we again award the Deacon 76 a silver skier selection. Our next ski in the lineup is the Blizzard Firebird HRC. The Blizzard Firebird HRC isn't really a race ski. Its dimensions run afoul of FIS regulations. But don't tell it that. Despite its 76mm waist, the HRC thinks it belongs right between the Firebird WRC and the Firebird SRC, Blizzard's non-fist GS and SL models respectively. It may not be exactly what a meld of the WRC and SRC would look like, but it mimics their race room construction and does its best to match their capabilities. 
Please don't get defensive, but if you don't care for the HRC's comportment, you may not be good enough for it. It uses bidirectional carbon weave both horizontally underfoot for power at the top of the turn and in vertical struts that keep it plastered to the snow during turn exit. The combination makes it a ski that Cordy Lawrence describes as feeling like, quote, a quintessential GS. It needs to be stood on. No complacency allowed. Don't get lazy. When you stand on the edge at operating speed, Cordy continues, the HRC is exceedingly rewarding, super confident underfoot. It enters turns with enthusiasm, better be on the front of your boots, he cautions, and comes off the turn with ample energy. Better to be where you're supposed to be here, too. Turn shape can be modulated with authoritative subtlety, which isn't the contradiction it sounds like. Shorter turns can be accomplished at speed, but at pedestrian velocities it must be muscled, Cordy concludes. Perry Schaffner detected the same behavior, noting, quote, It's nice that you can do two different radius of turns. It's easy to just let its shape take you on a wider turn, but also it has the option, if you put some extra power into it, to make pretty snappy short turns. Once you get going and up to speed, it gets on edge quite a bit more easily, making it more suitable for a stronger skier. Perry's dad, Jim, like Cordy, an XXL skier who effortlessly generates power the likes of which most of us will never know, notes that the HRC, quote, doesn't behave like your pure race ski, however it delivers the same end result. Incredibly stable at high speed, it did everything I wanted to do in all snow conditions, even drift, without that locked-in feel like you're stuck on the edge. The Firebird HRC may not be a pure race ski, but neither is it for posers. If you're confident in your capabilities, this combi could be your cup of tea. Which brings us to another powerful ski, the Solomon S-Force Bold. Solomon has been riding the lighter-is-better bandwagon for several product cycles now, working hard to refine a combination of fibers that will deliver the quiet ride of two sheets of tetanol without the weight. It's a noble quest, and Solomon's 2020 QST series made giant strides in that direction. But at the end of the day, every material in a ski has certain inimitable behaviors that include a signature vibration all its own. Which is a long way of saying that nothing else vibrates at the same frequency as tetanol, which is why it is de rigueur in every race ski extant. With the S-Force Bold, Solomon set its lightweight agenda aside and unleashed a high-tech arsenal of shock-sucking devices that includes top and bottom tetanol laminates. Once Solomon opted for stability over agility, it went all in, inserting an interface between the ski and integrated binding called Edge Amplifier that channels energy directly to the edge. Its crossover tip is embellished with TPU bumpers on either side of a layer of carbon flax that works with the TI and TPU to keep its slightly rockered tip from wavering off course. The S-Force Bold is an unapologetic frontside carver. If you want to find out how deep a new snowfall is, take a run in the S-Force Bold and you're almost certain to find the bottom. Any ski this stable can make its way through off-trail porridge, but it will send out the occasional reminder that you're running against its grain. The reason the S-Force Bold is laden with dampening agents and associated avoir du poids is to maximize edging power and stability on hard snow, which is its happy place. When it's running fast and loose in its element, the S-Force Bold is, quote, damp, stable, and very strong edge hold, says Bobo's Pat Barrigary, identifying its dominant traits. Quote, if you like speed and grip, this ski is for you. Great high-speed carver. Note that Pat didn't mention short, slow turns on his list of likes, for the S-Force Bold shows its disdain for their ilk by ignoring them entirely. 
Longtime fans of Solomon Skis will remember the Enduro, its last frontside series to make bomb-proof long turns. The S-Force Bold represents a return to this type of damp, dedicated carver after several generations of lighter weight solutions. In a laid-over, big-bellied arc, it's as secure and comfortable as riding in the back of a limo. Which brings us to another really well-connected ski, the Liberty V82. It's not hard to make a ski. The low barrier to entry is the main reason we see so many small-batch brands, which far outnumber the mainstream models in their number and variety. The low-hanging fruit tends to be a powder ski of some ilk for a variety of reasons. It's where the market opportunity lies. It's likely to be aimed at a young demographic who are comfortable buying online B2C. And the skis must be lightweight. Therefore, there's no need to mess with metal and, most importantly, powder masks design deficiencies better than any other snow condition. It's not even particularly hard to make a good ski as long as you're only making a single pair. The big challenges are twofold. The number one hazard any brand faces as it makes the transition from minor to major is quality control. It would not be an exaggeration to say that reproducibility was the greatest hurdle the founding ski brands faced in their first 75 years of production, and it remains the acid test of any new brand's viability. But even if you can consistently make a good ski, so what? What are you providing that you can't get elsewhere? Is your brand willing and able to innovate? For 12-year-old Liberty, the answer is yes. Two years ago, three brands introduced high-end models with vertical laminates made from metal or carbon. Liberty's version, with two aluminum ribs trisecting the bamboo poplar core, earned the highest scores from our panelists. Last season, Liberty added a third metal strut to the men's V-series models it introduced the prior year. Liberty's vertical metal technology is as effective a system for maintaining snow contact as any extant, short of loading the ski up with every dampening agent known to man. Theron Lee of Bobo's succinctly describes how it feels, quote, damp, but not dead. One reason the V82 skis so well is that the metal ribs don't work alone. Two one-centimeter wide swaths of carbon straddle the center strut, poured PU sidewalls have a calming effect on the edges they rest on, and a carbon base layer adds bonus buffering. The result is very close to race ski grip without having each run feel like a workout. If one word could characterize what it feels like to take a spin on the V82, it would be natural. There's nothing to adapt to, nothing to figure out. The V82 has a deep side cut that influences turn shape but doesn't dictate it. If you tip it to a high edge angle, it gets the message and cuts a tight corner. But if you stand fairly tall, as many habitues of the front side do, it adopts a more laissez-faire attitude that lets the pilot plot the route. A bit more nimble and energetic than its big brother, the V92, the V82 isn't as whip-quick as its other sibling, the V76. One trait all the V-Series seem to share is blazing speed when running flat. Ski testing often occurs in the spring when ski conditions can get soggy and suction can stop any ski in its tracks. Every Liberty had glide properties that embarrassed the competition. I don't know how they did it, although I suspect (laughs) hand-tuning. But if every Liberty gets this treatment, it does tell me they'd know what they're doing. Our next ski comes from the venerable brand Rosignol, the Hero Elite Plus TI. You can tell a lot about a ski by its immediate family. 
Rozzy's Hero Elite Plus TI is closely related to the Hero Elite LTTI and STTI, both legit non-fist race models, even though the Plus TI's plus size shape at 78 millimeters underfoot is many millimeters more ample than the 71 millimeter waist of the LTTI and the 68 midriff of the SLTI. The Hero Elite Plus TI not only uses the same construction as its gate-crashing sibs, its side-cut radius is the same as the ST's in the 167 size preferred by slalom specialists. Two years ago, Rozzy converted all of the Hero Elite clan to a new damping system, Line Control Technology, or LCT. Instead of using horizontal sheets of tetanol, as had been the case for decades among race models, LCT uses a vertical TI laminate down the center of the ski so the forebody is more resistant to deflection. Torsional rigidity is softened a tad to allow the deep side cut to engage gradually and progressively as the ski is tipped and pressured. Quote, stable and forgiving into the turn, assures Scott Sarr from Aspen Ski and Board, without compromising edge contact. Advanced skiers who wouldn't ordinarily care to expend the energy required to control a true race ski shouldn't allow the Hero Elite Plus TI's pedigree to scare them away. This Rozzy rides a softer, subtler edge that is as amenable to shallow edge angles as it is to steep ones. Note to non-racers, a lot of genuine race models require total commitment from the skier to find a high edge angle that can't be engaged by halfway measures. We don't ordinarily recommend race-bred skis for skiers with an AARP card, as they can be the antithesis of easy, requiring both high skill and sustained force to manage. Relatively speaking, the Hero Elite Plus is a pussycat, willing to be guided with a neck rein gentleness. For making high power feel like low maintenance, we again award the Hero Elite Plus TI a silver skier selection. Rounding out the field of power frontside models is the Fisher RC182 GT. In June of 2019, I posted a video titled 82 is the new 88, in which I observed that a new subgenre is coalescing around an 82mm waistline. Some of the new 82s are descended from off-trail designs, like the Blizzard Brahma 82 and the Elan Wingman 82, while others, such as the Fisher RC182 GT, are derived from a narrow technical template, in this case the RC4, the Curve. The new RC182 GT doesn't get quite as large a dose of tetanol as its running mate, the all-mountain East RC186 GT, but it's hardly a delicate flower. A tetanol sheath rolls over the top of its air carbon TI core, and another TI laminate gives it race caliber grip underfoot. In the shovel and tail, the TI is replaced with Bafatex, Fisher's own shock-absorbing synthetic. The RC182 GT uses the same triple radius, short, long, short, as the curve, so the softer zones on the ski curl more easily while the middle delivers unshakable support. Given its origins and substantial construction, you'd expect the RC182 GT to be, quote, a blast at speed as much as mellow cruising, as Ward Piles of Peter Glenn discovered. Quote, super quick edge-to-edge, he adds. Fast, quick, rips everything, concurs a Jans tester, whose boss, Jack Walzer, managed to be even more succinct. Walzer's one-word review, quote, money. What makes the RC182 GT rise above the mundane and into the money class is how well its carve-centric personality travels. When pointed down Broken Arrow at Squaw Valley late in a spring morning, the snow on its exposed flank had turned to a slurry that peeled off when pushed. 
The RC-182GT never asked for special treatment, but kept it moving through heavy snow that would have submerged a more persnickety carver. One way to measure the range of an all-terrain ski is to test its performance in conditions it wasn't made for. By this standard, the RC-182GT is a hell of a ski. And it's a bargain to boot. The 899 price tag includes a Trolia power rail binding. We've now covered 20 current frontside models, and we've yet to review a single ski with a higher finesse score than power score. That tells you how biased the category is towards trench-digging carvers. But there are a handful of models, three to be precise, that can hang with the big boys despite their forgiving nature. We refer to our finesse favorites as easy riders. Let's take a look at the easygoing side of the frontside clan. Note that all are silver skier selections. And remember, the top echelon of unisex frontside skis isn't made for finesse skiers, period. End of story. Finesse skiers are instead served by the cascade of step-down models that populate the bulk of the frontside category. Generally speaking, these lower-priced models don't stand a chance competing against the elite of the genre, so you won't usually find them among our recommended medallion recipients. Any unisex frontside model that earns its highest marks for finesse properties is perforce an oddity. And so it is with this season's tiny sample. The Blizzard Brahma 82 is a blast to ski despite having little in common with the frontside community. The new Vocal Kanjo is the rare second-tier ski that can compete with the upper echelon despite its lower cost. And the new K2 Disruption 82 Ti brings K2's legendary ease of operation to a category overloaded with power options. If you're looking for a lightweight, pliable carver, these are your three best options. My first blush reaction to the Blizzard Brahma 82 is that this ski shouldn't be here. Skis with a patently off-piste baseline have no business infiltrating the ranks of frontside models, by definition the domain of deep side cuts and highly arched camber lines. How does a ski whose flip-core baseline is practically already bowing manage to mingle with the second cousins of true race skis? If a sitcom producer cast a story about the frontside category, all the proper club members would be draped in Armani, while the brash young Brahma 82 would crash the party in flip-flops, jams, and a tattered tee. Returning to the point, frontside skis are supposed to share a mutual obsession with maintaining a continuous carve, while the double-rockered Brahma 82 seems ill-suited to the task. Where is the performance-enhancing binding interface, the elevated stand tight, the wasp-waisted side cut, the squared-off tail? It's unadorned by rods or plates. How can it hold its own against a genre full of pumped-up powerhouses? But just as in a Hallmark Network story, the scrawny little kid with hardly any shape and no racing pedigree turns out to charm everyone he meets. He goes along to get along, never objecting to changes in turn trajectory and readily responding to suggestion. Like the ideal manservant, the Brahma 82 does its duty without calling attention to itself, yet is always ready to serve. It has a sensitive side, too, for it has a feel for the snow some of the more macho frontside skis don't display. In short, the Brahma 82 is here because it's so damn easy and fun to ski. It's one of a tiny minority of frontside skis with a higher finesse score than power score. Of course, its ease of use wouldn't mean squat if it couldn't hold on hard snow, but the Brahma 82 grips ferociously because beneath its mellow exterior beats the heart of a lion. Two end-to-hen sheets of tetanol are sandwiched with layers of multidirectional fiberglass around a poplar and beach core. 
Throw in a dab of carbon in the tip to keep the swing weight down, and a dampening platform underfoot, and you have many of the same components that power the rest of the genre's best skis. So don't mistake the Brahma 82's easygoing nature for weakness. As they'd say in the old sappy movies, this kid has moxie. A ski that just makes you smile all day, says Peter Glenn's Ward Piles. Easy and fun, with plenty of energy to keep the chatter factor down. The next model in our trio of frontside finesse models is Vocal's Kanjo 84, a model that's been in the vocal line for a while, but has gone through some recent product upgrades that have elevated its performance profile. You have to salute the doughty Kanjo 84. For years, Vocal centered into the ring against a much stronger frontside field. Pick the parallel you think best describes this confrontation. David versus Goliath. Christians versus Lions. Chuck Wepner, a.k.a. the Bayonne Bleeder versus Ali. Russian infantry, charging German machine guns with garden tools. Suffice it to say, the Kanjo of yore was ill-equipped to go toe-to-toe against skis costing hundreds of dollars more. Not anymore. For 2021, Vocal imbued the Kanjo 84 with two signature features that substantially elevated its performance profile, glass frame and 3D radius side cut. Glass frame mimics the placement of metal and tetanal frame, but uses fiberglass instead. This makes a ski that is not only lighter, but also more responsive. The Kanjo 84 feels quicker and more agile than its 17-meter radius underfoot at 175 cm, would suggest it earns its highest scores for its facility at short radius turns. The 3D radius side cut is like an onboard coaching tool. The better the skier's technique, the more often he'll activate the Kanjo 84's tighter turning center section. The more the skier can load the ski at the turn's apex, the greater the rebound off the edge and across the fall line. This level of performance, quote, would not disappoint an advanced skier, observes ski coach and tuning technician extraordinaire Theron Lee. Smooth and easy turning, it's able to carve with technique, but just as happy to slarve into turns. Its fairly big sweet spot allows for a wide range of abilities from solid intermediate level on up. Almost any model priced at the Kanjo 84's $700 MSRP will satisfy the low bar demands of intermediates. The beauty of the Kanjo 84 is it won't overwhelm the first-time ski buyer, yet has the performance ceiling of a much more expensive model. For a skier who can only get out a few times a year and is likely to spend that time on groomers, the Kanjo 84 is an outstanding value. Although the Kanjo 84 is most likely to serve as a step-up ski for someone on the way up the ability ladder, its strong response to light pressure shouldn't be reserved for the young. For the way it injects just the right amount of liveliness into a ski that responds to a light rain, we award the Kanjo 84 a silver skier selection. And finally, we get to the K2 Disruption 82 Ti. And I shouldn't use the word finally because it suggests we've come sort of to the end of the line when really this should be considered more a rotating carousel of excellence in which a lot of models are competing for your attention. And the K2 Disruption 82 Ti wouldn't be last in almost anybody's list of great skis in this category because it is such a great, easy-to-ski carver. K2 has always placed forgiveness at or near the top of its hierarchy of desirable ski qualities. True to this heritage, the Disruption 82 Ti earned its highest marks for forgiveness slash ease, which helped make it one of the few finesse skis in a swarm of power carvers. The most obvious reason why the Disruption 82 Ti comes across as easier to ski is its width. At 82 millimeters underfoot, 
And with a less radical side cut than most frontside power skis, it's easier to throw into a drift and it won't buck when introduced to ungroomed terrain. The less transparent reason pertains to how it's built. The TI I-beam that gives the Disruption 82 TI its bite is only as wide as its midsection. This gives the edge elsewhere a subtle flexibility that's ideal for anything but boilerplate or frozen ridges of spring corduroy. In softer snow, the less critical edge won't try to dig its way to China the way a supercharged power ski may. On midwinter early AM groomers, it's delicious. While it's definitely a carver of the kinder, gentler variety, beneath its easygoing veneer is still a trench digger at heart. The widest model in the Disruption clan, the 82Ti is predisposed to a medium radius arc that it can reel off without much effort on the pilot's part. It stays connected in part because the TII beam runs tip to tail and in part because its baseline has only a teensy bit of tip rocker that doesn't prevent the load of the snow shovel from finding the edge at the top of the turn. A healthy slice of today's skiers once cruised the entire mountain on a K2 Apache, and all too many of them are still on them today. Consider the Disruption 82 Ti to be today's version of the old Apache, wide enough to be an all-conditioned tool without forgetting that a ski's first duty is to turn easily regardless of the terrain. Once upon a time, the Disruption 82 Ti would have been classified as, quote, a cruiser, a GS clone, a step or two down from a race ski. Today, it occupies a middle ground between a classic carver, like the Disruption MTI at 74 millimeters underfoot, and an all-mountain east model typified by the Mindbender 90Ti. No matter how it's classified, the Disruption 82Ti is made for cruising without using a lot of precious energy in the process. For the way it appreciates the value of energy conservation, we award the K2 Disruption 82Ti a silver skier selection. This concludes our coverage of the 2021 Frontside Ski category. This has been Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. Thanks for listening.